What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Speak the Language podcast. Hope you are excited as I am. For this episode, this week we are talking to our good friend Aaron Warbritton. I'm sure y'all know him from the popular hunting series, The Hunting Public. If you haven't checked those guys out, you absolutely should. You can find them on YouTube. Um, so before we get into this episode, a couple things. First and foremost, this podcast is brought to you by OnX Hunt. That is something that we will not go into the woods without. doesn't matter if we're deer hunting, if we're elk hunting, turkey hunting, duck hunting, upland hunting. It does not matter. OnX is something that we use every single day. I could not speak more highly of it. So check it out today. The OnX Hunt app. Use the promo code PRIMOS20 and save 20% off your Onyx Hunt membership. Also, check out the Primo's YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, type in Primo's Hunting. Should be the first channel to pop up. There's a lot of good stuff up there now. We're going to have some more fresh content rolling in there throughout the summer, so don't sleep on that, the Primo's YouTube channel. And that's it. I'm going to get right into the episode. We had a great conversation with Aaron, and I hope you all enjoy it. And you're looking all fancy like yep. Picking out of your ear. Am I? Oh yeah. Well, I'm trying to. I got these. I got these dogs in my lap, and I'm afraid one of them's going to go to barking here in a minute. You're I so, want to make sure I can hear what y'all are saying. You're so domestic these days, man. Like a little. Your beard's all nice and trimmed. Yeah, I didn't know who you are. Yeah. Uh, well, I got married a couple weeks ago, so I had to clean myself up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But anywho, all right, Aaron. Um, yeah. Appreciate it. Man, when I when I reached out to you today, I didn't think you'd be able to hop on this short of notice. You know, I didn't know if he was going to be wherever in the world, you know. you. I mean, you are normally somewhere, you know. Well, Lake, I'm back at the ranch editing right now. You know me, I'm either in, on the road or living in a tent or I'm at home in my sweatpants editing videos. <laughs> so you caught me at that 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 current time yeah. in my life. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, and I'll never miss, I'll miss an opportunity to talk to you, Lake. I do, you know, much appreciated. Much pre- I think you've been <laughs> on the podcast a couple times now, but I don't think you've been on like with with Jordan on as well. Um, so, yeah, but me and Jordan, we talked. I don't know what's that been a week or two ago now. Yeah, a couple weeks back. Yeah. Um, before we dive like straight into, I guess the main reason of what we're talking about, I guess just because I know, I mean, well, goodness, a lot of the folks that listen to this podcast have probably kept up with y'all and probably know, but. And you know how it is. I mean, with us, I mean, traveling, going around, I've, I've watched an episode here or there, but I haven't, I'd be lying if I said I had kept up with all of it. So turkey season treats y'all pretty good for the most part. Yeah, it's been great. Um, I wouldn't say it would, it was a, you know, a bumper year as far as turkey numbers go and here in Goblin goes, but we still managed to scratch some birds out and have, have a good time in the woods. Yeah, uh, we just got back from a western swing to Montana and Wyoming, and that was real fun. We got into a pile of them out there. Yeah, that's so that stuff. was good to see. That's good stuff. Um, so anyhow, man, the the reason like all this started of wanting to have you come back on here, and I know we're we're kind of towards the tail end of turkey season. I don't really know if we typically do turkey central episodes this late in the year, but 
I wanted to definitely make room for this one um, just because Jordan clued me in kind of a little bit on y'all's conversation that y'all had a week ago. Um, and so I don't want to really even try to go through the details of it because I don't know any details of it. I just know that from talking to Jordan that, that y'all are doing y'all, – y'all are having – y'all are putting together some sort of fundraiser to have to do with, with researching and – Dr. Mike Chamberlain, something like that along those lines. Is that right? Yep. We actually went down. We were hunting in Alabama and Georgia early in the season. And uh, on our way to the location we were hunting in Georgia, we swung through uh, one of Dr. Chamberlain's research sites. Well, it's, it's, it's his in collaboration, you know, with the Georgia agency and, you know, his undergraduate students from UGA. Sure. So we stopped and we talked to him. We talked to his students about what they were doing there. We got a pile of information there. And that video is honestly one of the most informative videos I've ever watched when it comes to, you know, just information about the wild turkey, because he knows way more than anybody else I know. Yeah. You know, and I'm not tooting our horn because that video is on our channel, of course, but it really is a ton of info. So if anybody, I, I guess I'm just kind of prefacing this conversation with saying this if anybody wants to learn more about turkeys and turkey research in general i think mike is a very good resource um have you have you guys talked to him man he's been he was on our podcast for the first time last wasn't last spring the first time we had him on yeah early last spring right when all the corona stuff was happening yeah that's uh, what i thought yeah yeah he was we brought he he caught my attention last spring because he put out um i believe it was one of his turkey tuesday posts yeah uh, and it was before i really followed him heavily i don't even think i followed him at the time i think it was a shared post it just caught my eye and, and it was talking about it was um i i'm sure i'll butcher it if i try but it was kind of hypothesizing what you know the effects of the pandemic and everyone thought there was like you know excess hunters and normal and so so we that was the first episode we ever did with Chamberlain it was called Corona Gobblers um and he was just kind of going into deeper detail what he meant by all that and then we covered some more subjects and that was if it wasn't the top episode that we had last spring it was right up there um Mm. and it was I'm sure the same the first time I talked to that guy me and Jordan both were like holy crap he blew our minds man like he just knows so much about wild turkeys um, yeah, and then, between him and Brett, those guys are at the forefront of of turkey research. Yeah, I think anyway, in, in today's day and age. And there's been a ton of, you know, prominent researchers that came even before them, mm-hmm. you know, that that have done a pile of work on the wild turkey. I just I haven't ever been super familiar with a lot of that stuff until I started talking with Mike. Yeah, um, I think he's a very, very good communicator when it comes to that sort of thing. And and we filmed like a two hour video on that research project that was on Cedar Creek WMA in Georgia yeah. uh, and just learned a pile about what they were doing to, to essentially count turkeys in the area, try to figure out how many turkeys are on the landscape, try to monitor gobbling activity and how that relates, you know, to different timing of the spring season and also how it relates to hunting pressure Mm -hmm. and then they also uh showed us some of the gps tracking equipment that they use when they put it on hens 
and basically how they track hens through the entire spring, clear up to when they hatch, you know, their poults and then move their broods and all that stuff. So very, very interesting stuff with him. Yeah. I actually, I watched that video and I'm pretty sure I shared it on my page because I was yeah. like, everyone needs to watch this video. Cause it's so you find it's like, a there's so many folks out there and, and you know, this, we all do. There's, there's not a whole lot. I feel like of fair weather Turkey hunters, most folks that Turkey hunt, they're into it, you know? And so, mm -hmm. And I just, there's just so much information out there that's just incredibly, one, it's interesting. And two, it just, I feel like it gives us a better understanding of, of how those turkeys, all what they have to go through to make a living. And it just kind of gives us more like reason, like this is why we have to work so hard to try to conserve what we've got. That kind right. of mindset. Yeah. And um, I guess from a high level view, and you guys can help walk me through this and how to explain this. But what, what we decided to do after meeting with Mike was donate to some sort of turkey research, specifically in the southeast. And, you know, we're pretty small, all things considered. Like, we can't just go and say, okay, let's just do a broad brush donation and just donate to research all over the country. Uh -huh. Because... I mean, I, well, I guess I should back up. We could do that, but then we would end up just donating like a few hundred dollars here, a few hundred dollars here. We wouldn't be able to make any significant impact on one individual spot right. in the short term. So we decided to just go with funding one set of projects. That way we can get that project off the ground. Then we can go in there next spring and we can film their progress. So what Mike told me was he needed about $35,000 to get these three research sites up and running in Alabama. And as you guys know, Alabama is one of these core states that is suffering major decline issues, yep. you know, and it's not like, I mean, Mississippi's in there too. So is yep. Georgia, South Carolina. I mean, Louisiana and Arkansas have been in bad shape for some time now, but those other three, you know, those are coming up on that same type of path. You know, they're headed the same direction that Arkansas was 10 years ago. Yeah. So anyway, we were looking at, at the states that had research going already, which Georgia is one of those. And Alabama is trying to get more research done. So I got to talking with Mike about those song meters that he uses to measure gobbling activity. Mm -hmm. They have just recently, long story short, UGA has worked and collaborated with some others to create an efficient process for monitoring gobbling. That means that a one or two students can put out these song meters and they can monitor gobbling activity day to day throughout the spring on one of these areas. And it's pretty cost effective. So what Mike wanted to do was get enough song meters to place on three different areas in Alabama, one in Southern Alabama, one in Central Alabama, one in Northern Alabama. That way we can monitor gobbling activity on those areas. And that was just kind of the, the tip of the spear, if you will. Sure. <laughs> I mean, that's what we, that's to get these areas up and going. And then beyond that, he wants to, he wants to focus on placing these things on public lands and private lands or even non-hunted sites in the area to see how gobbling activity, you know, differs mm -hmm. on those particular areas. And then, like I said, and, and what they were doing in that Georgia study was they were even catching abandoned birds um, 
and they were actually using little multicolored leg bands so that when they got trail camera pictures of those turkeys, they knew which individual bird that was. I thought that was pretty cool. Cause I mean, most folks have heard of banding turkeys, um, you know, and moving them or whatever, but they, they just started with this color coded process. So every individual bird gets a different color coded leg band. And that was one of the, the added things they were doing in Georgia, not to mention the tracking, the GPS tracking with hens to monitor reproduction and all those things. So, ideally we would get all of that stuff going you know on these research sites at some point but to get mike and his crew up and running that was the amount of money that they needed and he felt like if we could get that raised by midsummer that they could get that project up and going by next spring you know and then we can really show people where their dollars are going and we can show people that we're actively trying to get research moving on these areas mm-hmm. um but I guess before we get into any more of the research topic, I think it's important to discuss on how we get to that point. Sure. Like Turkey there, we have a problem. Most people know it. Most people acknowledge we've got a population issue. There's de- massive declines in Turkey populations, you know, almost across the board, but in, especially in Eastern wild turkeys. Um, Those declines are extremely prevalent in the Southeast. And then as you go North, they're also there. Uh, Like for example, I'll just use Missouri. They just had their lowest single season harvest in the last two decades, maybe more. I heard that. Yeah, I'm sure that wasn't a lack of hunters being in the woods. It's probably more hunters than it has been in a while. Well, that was my, that was my opinion as well. Um, but I don't know what the department's official position is on that. Right. Uh, I just, I don't know. All I know is that the number of birds harvested in Missouri is way lower than it has been in the past. And it's noticeably dropped off for Mm -hmm. several years. There is a decline in the state, but when you go down to Alabama Georgia, Mississippi, South Carolina, North Florida. I mean, those areas, it's noticeable. Like it is a noticeable amount, especially on heavily public land or heavily hunted public lands. It's noticeable that there are fewer birds on the landscape. And without opening a whole giant can of worms here, because as you guys know, everybody and their dog has got different opinions Yeah. on yeah how and why this is happening but long story short the way that the best way i can figure anyway to start down the path of correcting some of these issues is to make research a prominent tool in all of these states and that's why we ended up starting this fundraiser basically it was it was like well we need to it would be great if we could understand more information about goblin activity on heavily hunted areas in alabama not to mention goblin activity in alabama throughout the course of the spring especially with how efficiently they're able to collect this data now uh that's useful information for hunters and you know the state when it comes to managing turkeys Mm -hmm. so that's why we started this whole deal yeah and it's very in my opinion that's very very achievable goal you know you take 
just the people that's listening to this podcast right now, they give $10, 50 bucks, hundred bucks. I mean, that adds up in a hurry and you're actually making a difference and moving forward in a positive way for something we all love so much. Right. My deal is, is the, the reason why I, I like this idea so much is like you said, everyone knows, and I'm, I'm looping myself and probably everyone in this turkey hunters, because most of us are so passionate about the bird, the hunt, all of it. Um, we can tend to be very opinionated. So you yep. start talking about decline in turkey numbers. Like you said, everyone does tend to have an opinion. Um, the reason why it ends up being why I like this so much is from everything I've seen out of Chamberlain, everything that I've, that from our conversations with him, nothing has been biased. It's all based strictly off of research. And so this whole fundraiser is not like a, Hey, give money because we think the Turkey decline is being caused by this. All this is saying, Hey, let's figure out what the problem is. Right. You know what I mean, like, let's figure this out. And then once we know what the problem is, then we can find a solution. Yep. Yeah. And this is just one of, of many pillars, you know, that that needs to be done from the research standpoint. And I think Mike would agree with that. Um, but this is, you know, this is this is a step in the right direction to get those sites established and to start getting this data. You know, um, we're not going to fix we're not doing this particular project to fix turkey populations, you know, in the immediate sense. We're just trying to get more data on gobbling activity uh, because we can do it in an efficient manner and we can get these sites up and running. But the overarching theme that you just touched on and the thing that I think will help us move the needle moving forward is we can show people that this money is going towards starting those projects and getting them up off the ground and then show them that, look, your dollars are going towards educating the state and the state's hunters on its turkey population and on its wild turkeys and how they behave, you know, and moving forward that, that can only be a good thing as, as far as the stuff we're talking about. Now, when it comes to the declines of the birds, uh, like you said, there's a lot of opinions out there and there's, there's a lot of states right now that are looking at, you know, moving seasons and cutting limits back, uh, even, you know, trying to decide whether or not to use decoys, mm-hmm. um, that are the, the subjects of TSS shot are coming up. I mean, mm-hmm. all of these, these things have to do with, you know, hunters harvesting the birds. Right. But, and I'm just getting into some speculative opinion here, but, I think there's, I think that's an important step that we definitely need to look at, but there's a, there, it feels like there's, there's other things going on as well. And, and just from talking with Mike, he, he, to your point, he relies solely on the science. So mm-hmm. when you ask him what the problems are with a lot of this stuff, he will tell you like that depends on where you're at and what which turkey population you're dealing with because they could be all different the thing that's just kind of the thing that that trips me my mind up a little bit with the whole thing is pulp production is low in a bunch of places like it's i mean and it's lower 
in some places than others. But overall, like in Iowa, in Missouri, in, you know, Kentucky, Alabama, all those states that we've already mentioned, most of them acknowledge that pulp production is low and that we're not making enough turkeys in those areas. So my mind always tends to wander like, well, what is causing that? What's causing that to happen? You know, I'm sure that it's a number of different things, like what Mike says, uh, that it's, you know, probably different factors causing that and that from area to area that you go to. But at the same time, that's also kind of a common problem that we have across the board. And the only way that we can figure out why the heck we're not making enough turkeys is at the end of the day, somebody's got to research all these different pathways into what's going on like i i read recently where and i'm trying to i I might butcher this because i i just read this a day or two ago but it it might actually be in missouri in a couple counties they're doing research on nest predators Mm -hmm. where they're they're planning to catch like raccoons and possums and all those things and i don't know if they're going to radio tag them or what they're going to do but they're going to monitor nest predators throughout the nesting season to see if they have any sort of significant impact on, you know, predating baby turkeys or turkey nests. But that's just one of many things, as you know, that could be causing an issue. Habitat's a major, major deal. Yeah. But that, I guess, when when it comes down to it, that was the way we felt about it was, well, the only way that that we're going to learn more about this whole problem is to get research going in every single one of these states mm-hmm. and just to learn more, just to try to make it a focus goal to learn more about the turkeys in every state Yeah, that we can. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing that came to my mind when you were talking about just, you know, starting in Alabama with this is, uh, you know, somebody may be like, well, I don't ever hunt Alabama or, I'm not ever going to go there and hunt, so why does it matter? That's a good point. And, uh, you know, it does matter in the fact that if this is starting and it's successful, it moves over and over and builds bigger and bigger, we're on to something then, you know? Yeah, that's, and that was our whole idea with it. And I, I kind of addressed that question to your point, Jordan, right out of the gate. I was like, look, I know a lot of you don't hunt here, but if we can get this going in Alabama and we can show people that we care enough about this, to move the needle in the short term, then we can pick a different state and a different project next year. Mm-hmm. And then we can move on from that. And I mean, I've gotten so many calls guys, including your, you guys um, in the last couple of weeks from different brands, different companies, different organizations. They're like, look, I'll pledge 10% of my, you know, sales this month to this cause or, you know, somebody, I had some folks at BHA uh, email last night that are like, we want to donate and match some of these contributions, you know, to help fund the research. It's like everybody wants to do this. Um, it just seems like that we needed to kind of round them up, yeah. you know, like we needed to sort of rally the troops, if you will, and yeah. get them on a, fo- on a focused path somewhere. And I don't, hopefully this is the right direction that we're going. It was, it was, it felt right to us at the time because I know I trust Mike and his team and I know they're going to put every cent of that money 
to good use because that's, you know, we talked about that at length is like, if we're going to donate to this, all this has got to go directly to this project. And Mike ensured to me that, that it would happen. And that's exactly like, we just wrote a check to him yesterday to send to him. And he's going to place orders for a bunch of these song meters by July so that he can have the things well in advance before next spring. So he's already on the stick with this stuff. He's trying to get it going and, and get it moving forward. But, once we show people that they're where their dollars are going next spring, when we swing through Alabama um, and then show them the kind of real time data that these things are accruing and that these, you know, that Mike and his team are doing on these sites. I think to your point, Jordan, it's just going to light a fire and it's going to move from there state to state. That's what I'm hoping anyway. Yeah. You know, in the Turkey Federation and the turkeys for tomorrow guys, they're all about, this stuff as well so it's kind of like everybody just needs to pitch in and get it going wherever you're at i mean missouri i used them as an example a while ago they have research going on right now in state about the predator thing but also other research looking into reproduction iowa is doing the same thing a lot of these areas are some of these states uh, but as you guys know, every state is different. Every state gets funded differently. Um, some states have more funding than others. And some states need help to get this stuff moving. And those will probably be our high priority areas in the, you know, in the next two to four years. Mm-hmm. I'm all about it, man. If, we, if we've got turkeys to hunt, you know, 10 years from now and, and this helps do, do it. I mean, I'm all about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. What excites me is like the, just the, like what you were talking about earlier is kind of just the overall attitude you've gotten towards this, because I feel like it's been, I mean, I I guess it's been kind of a process just as everything is, but I feel like as a whole, people are coming more to the concept of if we're going to, if you're going to claim to love turkey hunting, then you've got to be able to, you know, you've got to be able to want to give something back to it, to keep it around, to do these sort of things, to take these kind of steps. what can, what can these, you know, our listeners or whatever, anyone that listens to this podcast, what can they do to, to help this anymore as of now? Well, that's a good question because I just met the research donation threshold for Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we met it way faster than I thought. I had no idea of what, what we could raise. Um, it was, it was 35 K up front. And I told the viewers, which we've already matched it. Um, I told all of our viewers at the beginning that we would donate 5,000 right out of the gate. So THB donated five grand. We had to raise 30 mm-hmm. and we raised like almost 33 in a week and a half, two <laughs> weeks. It's awesome. Um, but like I said, that wasn't necessarily because of us. That was because so many brands got involved in this thing and so many people got were so passionate about the the issues at hand that they shared it out and sort of rallied the troops and just like that i had i had no clue that we would raise that amount of money in that short of time incredible so now we we're getting that money to mike and he's optimistic that we can beef up these projects even more so than what we could in the initial phases. So I would just, 
I would encourage your listeners to keep an eye out for these things as we move forward, because we're going to launch more fundraisers in the near future for other projects. That's the only thing though, Lake, I'm just kind of getting into this, as you know, like I, I'm just learning about all of these things in the last couple of years. And I've never done a fundraiser like this of any kind, but what, my main goal is just total transparency with everybody. And so that's why we capped this one off to where we can send that money to Mike. He can spend it. We can show people exactly where that money's going. And then from there, we will make plans right. to do another project or to beef up these projects. And then we'll open that fundraiser back up. Cause I know there's lots of, I've, I've gotten several calls and emails today of people that have, are wanting to donate right now. Yeah. And I'm looking at ways that we can make that happen. We just have to get in touch with Mike and, and uh, you know, take it one step at a time at this point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's sure. only one, he's only one man in, in his yeah, small you team. Learn the wall before you can run. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And that's where, that's where we're at right now. Hey, but that's uh, that's that's a good problem to have, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah. A good problem. Well, rest assured, and like I said, obviously we're not the only ones supporting you. But I, myself, Jordan Primos, like you have, um, you start having more of these fundraisers like this to go towards that. Like Primos and us, we're we're behind it. Like we'll help promote it and do whatever we can do. Thanks, dudes. I really appreciate it. That's what I like about these type of deals because it's it really is sort of a coming together of everybody, all the turkey hunters. Because mm. you ain't gonna run into very many of them that aren't gonna that don't support this type of thing. If you if you love turkeys and love turkey hunting, um, then this is right up your alley because it it's moving the needle forward as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So. Um, and hopefully we can figure a lot of these issues out over time and we can put them to bed slowly. Uh, that's, that's the hope. I just, you know, it, in the current state of things, research is the best route to go. I mean, that's heck research is how we ended up getting the birds relocated to a lot of these areas anyway. Yeah. hundred percent. Back in the day, a lot of seasons like uh, Missouri's Turkey season is, their their season their their whole structure their limits all of that is based on science that they accrued through research in Missouri years and years ago. Yeah, when um, I was when I was at Mississippi State, that's one of the things they taught me as a wildlife student was a lot of the restocking efforts that happened way back in the day. Areas in Mississippi that have you know populations of turkeys now from doing from research and that yeah. sort of thing. So it yeah, worked. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's ever, that's ever evolving. Yeah. It is. So that's what we're that's what we're trying to do. But I'm curious what you guys have seen this spring on the road. Like, have you all have you all ran into? I mean, with in our experience, it's been pockets of birds. Like I would, uh, you know, what we went to Kentucky for example. In the first couple areas we hunted that were heavily pressured bird numbers seem low um mm. they seemed like they were low and everybody that we talked to in those areas said you know turkeys ain't what they used to be around here they are they're without a doubt far fewer than they used to be 
But then towards the end of that trip, we found a couple pockets of turkeys where there was birds everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a square mile or something like that. Sure. Like I, I found one pocket um, in the mountains in Kentucky where there was seven or eight gobblers in one spot. You know, and they not not bunched up into one group, but just kind of scattered yeah. down through this drainage, as you would expect them to be. Right. I mean, in it, there seem to be plenty of hens and jakes running around that area as well, in a moderate amount of hunting pressure. But you went down the road, twenty miles, and it was a different story. There were the birds were not there, and they should have been. Right. Um, so I guess I'm just curious as to what you all have seen. Yeah, we, we made a, a northwest trip last week to you know montana idaho and washington and uh idaho is the same way we hunted a place for two days that historically was really good you know and uh we moved what 20 miles 15 miles and ended up finding a pocket of turkeys that hadn't been tampered with i guess you could say and uh same way in washington you know is uh the hunting pressure was it was very, very surpri surprising to me to see, which heavy. is is good for our industry and, you know, seeing all these hunters out, you know, because the majority of them are local guys. And that's not what you expect to see in the Northwest. You expect to see this time of year, especially after a season's been open for three or four weeks, you expect to see a bunch of traveling turkey hunters, you know, like we do in the end of the season. But, uh, you know, the first morning we started hunting in Washington, what, it was seven or eight local guys it in this was, place? Yeah, we covered up, which was – it was surprising. But, uh, to your point, like exactly what Jordan said, it was – it seemed to be the story. Like, there's turkeys here, but not like it used to be. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's kind of a common theme that you would hear. And we've been hearing that now for – you know, we try to go to three or four new places a year. We've been doing that for, you know, three or four years now, and this – uh pretty much a common occurrence they're like yeah it used to be everywhere uh when we went to maine that was the story you know they were like we would talk to a farmer or you know that wasn't a turkey hunter but that was his you know his land that he'd had for years and he said yeah we've got them they're just not around like they were one of the most interesting stories we heard last year or maybe in two years i can't remember if we were either in wisconsin or maine it was wisconsin wisconsin yeah. but uh the guy was talking about it got so cold up there one winter he walked to a roof tree and there was like like 30 turkeys dead on the ground from freezing like unbelievable yep. yeah i do oh yeah that. and that that'll wipe out a localized population of them we, i mean i think that's what kills a lot of miriam's turkeys in you know in those northern states yeah. is is winter kill mike told me something i didn't know he said miriam's traditionally have you know, and this is kind of it's general statement, but he's like traditionally they have good hatches, like they they have good poult to, to or no hen to poult ratio as far as you know over in some cases over four poults per hen. Um, but winter kill is what gets Miriam's, mm. you know, and uh, for obvious reasons. In some of the places they live, they deal with some extreme temps, just like you're talking about in Wisconsin. Yeah, but uh yeah i would echo that as to what we've seen across the board but i i felt like um our experience echoed the harvest numbers from the places that we went alabama and georgia were that which early in the season those southeast states are as tough as they get you guys know that um but alabama and georgia and north florida early in the season were tough 
er than they have been Normal. in the past. Okay. Yes. There was a there was a good amount of turkey hunters. We'd seen as many or more turkey hunters this time. I wouldn't say it was drastically higher numbers of turkey hunters, maybe just a little bit higher numbers, but there was noticeably fewer turkeys on the areas that we were that we were hunting. The, and, the friends I have in Alabama, um, pretty much a similar theme as well. They were either I heard. I heard either both not as many turkeys as normal and didn't have the season we normally have, or it was one or the other. And you're well, maybe like one I can think of like is like some really, really good private dirt and you're yeah. seeing this happen. Yeah. It's not, that's like, that's as controlled as control can be, you know, far as like hunting numbers and pressure and all that. And you're seeing a decline after, you know, a couple of years on that place. That's like it's not getting overhunted. No, right. They just kept saying, "Yeah, there's, Man, it was a weird year." There's something going on. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is. I I hate to speculate because there's so many different things that could cause it. Um, but that that two pulls per hen or less is scary, no matter yeah. where you're at, because they're not replacing themselves on the landscape when they get down to that count. So even, you know, you're relying at that point on just a couple bumper crop hatch years for the short term, if mm. that's what they're doing year in and year out, or even steadily getting lower than that. I mean, I've hunted in Arkansas and I can tell you right now, it's a, it is a barren turkey paradise is what it looks like because there should be turkeys everywhere. <laughs> like the habitat looks decent in the spots where I've been and they're just are not birds. They're mm -hmm. there, uh, but few and far between, I should say. Yeah. And in, in spots where I've talked to other folks, you know, that hunted them 20, 25 years ago, and they would say, I heard 15 gobblers from this point 25 years ago. Yeah. And I, and I told them like, I heard one from this yeah. spot this year <laughs> on opening day. And by the end of the first week, there was none somebody yeah. had either killed or spooked him off of that property yeah. so i mean if you really want to see how bad this can get that's a place that's a place where you can go and see it um because it's i mean and i've seen it happen down there and i'm not an experienced arkansas turkey hunter by any means i got buddies that live there uh that tell me these things all the time but i hunted an area in arkansas in 2015 i believe Mm -hmm. uh and we got into some turkeys it was really tough there was not many birds but we we found a couple little pockets like what we're discussing where we moved around enough and we found a little pocket where there was a couple of long beards and a group of jakes and some hens well i went back and i revisited all those pockets in what was that was that last spring it was either spring of 2019 or spring of 2020 I went back into those areas and I did not find a track, mm -hmm. which is when you're, <laughs> when you're in those spots, man, that is some scary stuff. My good. It's spooky. Yeah. Cause it's well, like, man, yeah. this is opening week. These birds have not been hunted yet other than the youth hunters. And there's not a turkey here. It's not like good. it doesn't seem like there's a, there's a turkey here. And if there is, they're very, very few and far between. Yeah, yeah, we so. experienced the same thing here on our uh, public ground, you know. 
don't yeah. explain why they're not there anymore, but they're not there in yeah. spots that I have hunted since I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. And another thing to consider, too, playing devil's advocate, I guess, a little bit here, but another thing to consider is through all the restocking efforts that happened, you know, we had tremendous increases in populations in a lot of these places for a long time. Yeah. And like most of these areas that we're talking about, if you go back to the mid 2000s, you know, even around 2010 or so uh there was a lot of turkeys in them and you'll hear that from a lot of people it's like yeah 15 years ago yes there was a lot of turkeys in this this particular area and now there is not so i guess where i'm going with that is i've i've heard that if you you know if you push a population to a surplus to where they max out the habitat's capacity that they will naturally start to fall off somewhat yeah. And I guess I could see some of that going on, but in, in these areas that we've been like in Alabama, we were on some, we were on some good public ground with tons of what seemed to be decent habitat on the neighboring private ground and some on the public ground. And there was just not the birds there that, that should have been. Yeah. Um, that would, that would be my thought. Like you hear about, especially in the Southeast Mississippi, Alabama as well. You hear about a habitat's carrying capacity, but you hardly ever hear it applied to turkeys because you hear it with deer because we'll right. have like, like, man, this place has too many deer on it, but there's, you hardly ever do you hear like, man, this thing is at max capacity for turkeys. You don't yeah, right. hear that a lot. No, um, you certainly don't anymore. I know. Sure. I don't even know what, how do you determine if there's, you know, how, how do you even go about determining if a place is carrying the amount of turkeys it can possibly carry, you know, yeah, how, right. how, and you can see it with deer with browse lines and, you know, sure. see all the sign they leave, but turkeys, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good, that's a good question. Mike would probably be the one to ask that because he yeah. knows, he knows know. way, way the heck more than I do. I know one thing, I mean, you know, because turkey populations, I, I feel like that's been in question ever since I can remember getting into turkey hunting. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm going back again to uh, what I was talking about when I was at school at Mississippi State, but there was a story one of uh, my ecology professors t told that just always stuck with me. Um, and I, I'm going to butcher it because I can't remember it as well, but she was citing a journal from one of the, like this, this old researcher from like way back when. And uh, he wrote in his journal, they were along the 10 time, the 10 time waterway in Mississippi and they were staying in some cabin. And in his journal, he wrote that it was tough to sleep at night because the turkeys were, there were so many turkeys and they were so vocal. Like they gobbled so much and there were so many of them. He had a hard time going to sleep at night. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm not surprised. I've heard stories like that in some areas. I mean, I've heard folks, uh, you know, we live in Iowa and some of the public hunting that we have is, is really, really good. It's some of the better, I mean, public and private in Southern Iowa is some of the better Eastern Turkey hunting that I've ever experienced. And I talk to locals around there and they're like, Oh, this is nothing. Mm -hmm. Like you should have seen this stuff, you know, 15 20 years ago like you would hear 15 to 20 different gobblers on a on one ridge yeah and i i end up there in may every year just tickled to death because i'm like man there's five gobblers on this yeah. place you know and we're gonna be in business today and we're you know but 
according to a lot of the locals there, it's not, the population isn't what it once was. Yeah. But that problem, I mean, it's, it's, it's harder to see the further north that you go, but it is happening. Um, when you just look at the numbers, the declines are definitely happening there, but in the Southeast, they are more exaggerated without a doubt, more exaggerated. Yes. The first time you remember the first time we went to Kentucky, Tennessee, and we talked to Mr. Gene. Yeah. This is a similar experience. Like we went up there and it was like, I, in my mind, I'm like, this is paradise This beautiful, big rolling mountainous, just this picturesque turkey hunting setup. And every, every morning you're hearing five or ten turkeys gobbling, you know, from these ridges. Yeah, and we're like, this is incredible. Like, this is awesome. Right. Uh, and there was a guy there, his name was Mr. Gene, an older gentleman that was a turkey hunter from way back. I mean, just, you know, and he, that's all he said. We were all excited and just in love with the place pretty much. And he, all he was saying is, y'all should have seen it 20 years ago. And he said, mm-hmm. yeah, 20 years ago, it, this is nothing. It's kind of the same story. Yep. You hear that. You hear that just about everywhere that you go. And I've heard similar stories from traveling turkey hunters this spring that have experienced the same things that we have with very pocketed birds, uh, no matter where you go. It's like it just doesn't seem like they're as consistent across the landscape as they used to be. Uh-huh. to where you could go to one area that held turkeys and there'd be a good number of turkeys there. Then you go to another area and there'd be a good number of turkeys there. It just seems so spotty now. Um, but I think that's also why the flip side of this coin, there's some people that do have uh, bigger tracts of private managed land that don't, that may not be experiencing declines because of the, the nature of how this happens. It's a spotty thing. Yeah, You know, I mean, some areas are, are worse than others and some areas are almost unaffected, but, and they're, and they're like, well, you know, they don't necessarily agree with some of the changes that the state needs to make or all of these things because they're not seeing it on their property. But in reality, if you went 15 minutes down the road, you would see it on a property there. Um, and I, I believe that's what's going on in a lot of these areas, but without a doubt, man, that stuff in Alabama, that was rough. And even in Georgia, I could see, and in Mississippi last year, we hunted Mississippi public land last year for opening week, right about the time the virus hit. Yep. And we got into a good number of birds. It's really, really tough down there and turkeys are quiet early in the season. So it's hard to know in a lot of situations how many gobblers are even on a place uh because i mean you guys know when you're dealing with that flat river bottom ground in mississippi number one you can't hear very dang far uh number two it's early in the year and all the turkeys are hinned up and they don't gobble very dang much number three everybody and their brother is down there hunting them for the first (laughs) opening week so they're getting pressured to the nth degree so you just don't like gobbling is I, heck, I watched y'all's hunting with Dave earlier this spring. And I know like how – <laughs> yeah, you all had to grind that one out. And that's usually how, how it happens to us down there too. But with that said, we hunted it last year, and we got on to turkeys in a bunch of different areas. But a friend of mine went down there two weeks later, and he hunted for a week, and he didn't hear a bird. Mm. So – I don't really know. I mean, I can't really draw any significant conclusions from that other than, 
when we were there opening week where there was lots of hunters and a decent amount of turkeys. And by the time he got there at the end of the, or midway through the third week, there was no hunters and no goblin turkeys. <laughs> it was probably go hand in hand. Wow. It wasn't any hunters there. Yeah. There any turkeys. yeah. That's probably right. And that's what I tell the guys all, all the time. It's like, we'll pull up to an area and they'll be like, Oh man, there's hunters here. It's like, well, there's hunters here because there's turkeys here. Yeah. And like if you get to, and that's not always the case, you know, yeah, this it just kind of depends on the situation but sometimes you pull up to an area and there's no hunters there and it's like man we've got four or five miles worth of terrain to deal with here and there's nobody here it's like well that could mean we just found a diamond in the rough or that could mean that we're out here on a spot where there is no turkeys <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it is the case where yeah. we go walk around for three days and not hear a peep yes you don't but, know. yep uh. But either way, I'm I'm hoping that that uh, more research will will do nothing but help the situation. I don't think we can go wrong by giving our states more more information and more data on the turkey populations and, right. and the turkey behaviors and stuff that that is going on, especially currently. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and I think you're putting it in the hands of the right person. So, yep. I uh, again, completely behind it, and. Uh, yeah, y'all guys that are listening, um, I guess, like you said, try to stay in the loop and keep an eye up on what y'all are doing as, y- as y'all have more of this kind of stuff pop up. Um, yeah, and as y'all put it out there, you know, we'll be sharing it too. Yeah. Yep. I sure. appreciate that. I really do. So, uh, yeah, man, I don't have anything. I enjoyed it, man. I appreciate y'all taking the initiative and trying to make this happen. Yeah, for sure. No problem, fellas. It's time to get the fishing poles out, or it's getting there, boys. We got one more who ride, and we're going to get them out. Yeah, yeah. Same, same here. We're going to Maine next next week. So now we're going to Michigan. Yeah, there you go. Better enjoy it. They go by way too fast. That's yeah. a, that is a fact, uh, guys. Thank y'all for listening to this episode. Uh, hope y'all enjoyed the conversation. Please keep an eye. I mean, watch the hunt in public anyway. The stuff they do is great, but for for what we're talking about today. Keep an eye on that stuff. Uh, Check out the Onyx Hunt app. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch y'all back next week. Thank you for listening to Speak the Language podcast.